You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Can we give a round of applause to the worship team who do an amazing job here with us and for us? Oh, man. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord and so good to be standing here. It's always a pleasure and a privilege to be able to share the word of the Lord. And this is my honor today to be doing that this morning. I want to encourage you again, as already been mentioned by Pastor Martin, and we've been announcing for a few weeks, the encounter evening that's going to take place this evening. Um, We have a little bit of taste of the presence of God on a Sunday morning with the time that we have. But this evening, we're going to go for it. We're going to go for broke. We're going to be abandoned before the Lord this evening. Amen? And so if you are passionate about encountering the presence of God, tonight's the night for you. And that means everyone in here and everybody watching uh, from wherever you are watching, if you're able to get here this evening, if you had alternative plans, cancel them and come tonight because tonight will be a life-changing time in the house of the Lord. Do you believe that today, church? Okay, do, do, uh, uh, two people. Do you believe that today, church? All right, so you know what I'm like. I like participation. I like you to engage and to enjoy our journey. I am so privileged and honored to be sharing with you this morning from the uh, book of Hebrews chapter 13, and we're reading one solitary verse, one verse, Hebrews 13, verse 15. So if you have a physical Bible or a device, you can turn there with me this morning. And I'm going to read, first of all, from the NIV version and then from the New King James Version, the same verse. And then um, we're going to launch right into t- this morning's teaching. Okay. Um, if you found it, Hebrews 13, 15, uh, indicate by saying amen real loud for me. Okay. Um, and here we go. This is what it says in the New International Version. It says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. I'll read that one more time. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. The same verse in the New King James Version says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. If you're looking and seeking a title for today's message, it is the fruit of my lips. The fruit of my lips. Um, and now look, I've got to give some context to the book of Hebrews for us to proceed a little further. So the author of the letter of Hebrews is addressing Jewish Christians who were struggling under Nero's persecution and were being tempted by persecution to abandon Christ and return to traditional Judaism. Uh, the, the anti-Christian Jewish per- persecutors are forcing them to make a choice between, on the one hand, continuing to have access to the Jewish temple and priesthood with its ongoing ser- sacrifices, and on the other hand, following him, Christ, outside the city and receiving the once-for-all sacrifice of Christ. Now, the letter to the Hebrews clearly lays out the present priestly ministry of Christ in the life of the believer. Jesus is both the divine son of God and completely human. And in his priestly role, he clears the way for human beings to approach the Father in heaven through prayer and through worship. 
throughout its pages, Hebrews makes it clear that Jesus Christ exceeds all other people, pursuits, objects, or hopes to which human beings offer allegiance. Hebrews pictures Jesus as better than angels, as bringing better lives to humanity through salvation, as offering a better hope than the Mosaic law could promise, as a better sacrifice for our sins than bulls or goats, and as a providing better inheritance in heaven for those who place their faith in him. Jesus is indeed superior to all others. This is the context of Hebrews. Hebrews, the writer wants those who are look, being persecuted and pressurized to turn away from following Christ, to go back to what they have known, go back to Judaism. And he's saying that you have the better thing here. Jesus is better. Oh, my gosh. Jesus is better. Whatever it is that you have in front of you, whatever it is that you think is great, whatever it is that you're pursuing in life, whatever it is that you've elevated to be the thing that you want to pursue, whether it be a career, whether it be to become a millionaire, whether it is to become a, get a big house or a nice car, whatever those pursuit is, Jesus is better. It's better. And this is what the, the context of the writer to the Hebrews is trying to get them to understand. There's no going back. Once you've tasted Jesus, taste and see that the Lord is good. All right? So this is it. Now, sacrifices have been a long part of Jewish and human history. The Bible records that Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve, brought sacrifices to God. Cain from the fruits of the ground and Abel from the choices of his sheep. Noah sacrificed animals and birds to God upon leaving the ark after the great flood. And at the binding of Isaac, Abraham brought a ram as a burnt offering in, um, in place of his son. And during the 40 years of the wandering in the desert, sacrifices were a mainstay of the tabernacle that accompanied the Jews during their journeys. Now, here's the image of the tabernacle on the screen for you to look at. And as you can see, the, um, this is a, 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 a depiction of the, the, uh, the ornate um, design of the tabernacle that God had instructed Moses to build, uh, build uh, the tabernacle for my presence. The Lord uh, wanted uh, to draw near to his people and said, I, I need you to build me something so that I can be with my kids, so I can be with my people. And so the, the instruction went forth, and in Exodus 25, you see the details of that, and, and this is the outcome, the tabernacle. Here's another image of the, the uh, diagram of it, and in this diagram, you can see the, 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 the main sections of the tabernacle. You've got the outer court area, which contains the uh, altar of sacrifice, the largest piece of furniture in the in the tabernacle um you've got the bronze uh, basin called the laver and then in the tabernacle proper you've got the lampstand and then you've got the table of showbread and then uh, in front of the a curtain that separated the holy place from the holy of holies there's an altar of incense and then in the holy of holies the most sacred place in the tabernacle there is one piece of furniture the ark of the covenant um which represented the presence of god and on the ark was a lid made of solid gold called the mercy seat. Now, the word translated tabernacle in Hebrew is the word mishkan, and which means the dwelling or the settling, and denotes the dwelling or settling of the divine presence of God. The tabernacle was considered to be the place where God's presence dwelled among the Israelites, where the divine and earthly realms met. The tabernacle's design physically represented a gradual increasing gradations of holiness from the outer court, as you can see here, meant to create a barrier from the profane realm to the holy of holies only entered once a year by the high priest. So you can see in the, in the, in the um, 
depiction here that the, the priests would come in from the east gate and would make their journey from the east to the west. And they would be, the, each section of the tabernacle was, uh, at, was holy. The entire area was holy, but the, 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 but the holiness was increased the further in you got. So the outer court is holy, but not as holy as the holy place. And the holy place was holy, but not as holy as the holy of holies. As the further you go into God, the holier it becomes. Are you with me? As you get closer to God, who is holy, he is completely other. There is no one like God. He is incomparable. But if you want to draw near to him, you've got to be prepared to go on the journey of holiness. Because you've got to go from the outer court, the realms of the profane and the secular, to the holy and the divine. And there is a way to get, and the, the way that the Lord has provided was through sacrifices for them to make the journey. Now, sacrifices continue to be brought uh, once the Jews arrived in the land of Israel, first in the tabernacle, as we discussed earlier, um, and, then, and, then, and then in the first and second te holy temples in Jerusalem. And here's a depiction of the artist of Solomon's temple. You can see here on the screen what Solomon's temple um, was a very ornate building. And the, the sacrifices continued to be offered in this. The Hebrew word, um, karbonot, is usually translated as sacrifices or offerings in our Bible. However, both of these terms, much like the, our English definition, suggest a loss of something or a giving up of something. And although there is certainly a part of that ritual, this is not at all the literal meaning of the Hebrew word. The word karbonot comes from the, the root karev, as you can see on your screen, which means to draw near or to be near. A korban is an offering through which a person seeks to draw near to God. So here, one of my props for today is a, a gift. It's a box. And there might be something in it, might be not. But if I wanted to turn up into the presence of God, I had to bring something with me. They, they, they said, you have to bring, a, you've got to bring something to offer to God. And so the, the gift this makes room for you to be in the presence of the king. This is important. So I, I've, I've said this a few times here, and there's an old Caribbean um, saying, you mustn't turn up with your langan, all right? It is when you go to visit someone's house. And the, that terminology, longhand, means that you come empty-handed. You come without something. So as I, if I'm invited, for example, to someone's home, I always try to bring some, a drink or something, or you know, a box of chocolates or something with me, some flowers, something, if I'm going to visit someone's house. Because it is a, it's, it's tradition in my culture that you bring something with you. You can't just turn up with your longhand. You understand? Are you with me? So, so you have to be prepared. If you're going to go visit, you know you're going to visit someone, you have to go and you have to go out of your way to find something appropriate to bring. Because I, I want my, my host to know that I want access, that I, I desire their presence. So I bring a present for their presence. Are you with me? So, the, so the, the, the Hebrews were given this commission, this directive, and said, 
uh, if you want to come before the presence of God, you've got to bring something. You've got to bring a sacrifice. You've got to bring an offering. You can't just turn up with nothing. So when we come before the presence of God on a Sunday, we bring something. We bring something. We say, Lord, here is an offering, a sacrifice of praise. So the Hebrew writer says that although they're trying to prevent you going back to the temple to bring the traditional sacrifices of animals, you've got a better opportunity to bring something more significant to the king. You can bring a sacrifice of praise. Oh my goodness. And so if you want to enter into a place of encounter with God, he says, I need you to open up your mouth and say something. He said it because the thing about bringing a praise, he says it this way. He says, um, it is the fruit of your lips. Notice that. Here is some fruit here. Uh, I'm not going to give it to you, but here is some fruit. And the fruit um, uh, is uh, literally, it's a terminology it's a, uh, that um, is used a lot of times in the scriptures. And it is a, about outcome. A fruit is the result. It, it, this didn't begin as this, this way. It ended up this way. It started out as a seed and became a fruit. Is that right? Okay, so, so it, the scripture says, and when it says the fruit of your lips, it's saying the outcome of what your mouth is going to say, that's what I'm looking for. I want to know what, what, what is coming out of your mouth. And what you, come bring, you bring forth out of your mouth is imperative because we're bringing something of worth to the king of glory. Are you with me so far? Okay, so uh, the, the object or the, the reason for that we draw near to God, um, it, it, uh, we bring an offering, is that we want proximity, we want nearness. And Charles Spurgeon says this, nearness to God brings likeness to God. The more you see God, the more of God will be seen in you. Are you with me? Nearness to, to God brings likeness to God. The closer you get to God, the more you become like God. And the object of us as believers is that we need, to, we need to understand that we are drawing near to God so that we can become like the God that we worship. That is the reason why we draw near to God, is so that we can look like him in the end. When the people see us, they see him. Is that with me? You with me so far? In the New Testament, the believers are called the temple of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you've received from God, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, at face value, it can think that the scripture is talking about the individual, but it's not the, we don't have a word in the English that differentiates between the singular you and the plural you. But in this text, it's talking about us as a corporate body. You, we all together are the temple of God. The scriptures go on to say that we're being fitly framed together to form the temple of God where the presence of God can inhabit. So as we come together as a community and we bring an offering of praise, we become the temple of God where the presence of God comes and inhabits. Are you with me? So no longer are we looking for the temple of Solomon to be erected 
we gather together as believers in Jesus Christ and we join together in faith and we bring our offerings of praise and as a result of our community and our communion and our decision to agree together, what happens is the Lord comes and inhabits the praises of his people. So I need you and you need me because together, corporately together, as we join together, there's something different about corporate praise than individual praise. There's something significant about when the people of God gather together in the places of the place of uh, the building such as this, and we bring something of worth before him. He, he is pleased and he comes and he dwells with us. Just like in Exodus, when they built the tabernacle and the temple at the conclusion of the building, the glory of God came and filled the place. If you build it, he will come. But we need to build it together. It is not me. It is not you. It is us all together, community of believers, passionate about the presence of God. We're saying, Lord, we want you to fill this place with your glory. Is this just is it my, me alone? Who wants this? Do you desire this? Do you want to see the glory of God? Let me tell you a story. This is not part of my preach, but it is now. Look, look uh, back in um, 99, it's a long time ago. Some of you probably weren't young ones, weren't born yet. I was giving my age away a little bit. But I'd organized this gathering of passionate pursuers of God. It was called Power Praise. And we gathered together in a, in a venue in, in, in East London. And as we did so, we wrote some songs to, to praise and to glorify God together as a community. And as we did and we pursued God and we prepared ourselves for that place, um, something extraordinary happened in that event. The presence of God showed up in such a significant way that you could sense something unearthly in the room. There was a a silence and a stillness in the space as we begin to praise God that it was, we knew something supernatural was happening. And then, then there was an outbreak of uh, spontaneous praise that started from the roof, from the balcony with the children that were in the room and they began to sing out, children, spontaneously, unrehearsed, un, um, uh, 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 unprepared song, began to sing out from the out balcony and it became a roar and a, an eruption of praise that filled the space. And did you know what else happened in that room? In that room at that moment, as, a, as we, the presence of God filled the space, people experienced supernatural occurrences. People were healed of cancers in that space. Testimonies. I got testimonies of, of people who had cancer who were healed. People who had fibros who were healed. People began to see images of angels flying around in the room. And these were not people who were Christians. They were unsaved people who had seen these things in the space as we began to worship God and pursue God. So when I'm talking to you about praise and about worshiping God, I'm not talking from a place of fantasy or a place of expectation of hope or something that I have not experienced. I'm talking about something that I know to be real. And that God's presence can fill a place and you will be changed forever by it. That's what we're trying to foster in this house. That's why we are passionate about the presence of God at CLM. 
And that's why we've planned the encounter even this evening, because we're saying, Lord, we want to prepare a place for you to fill it so we can encounter the real God of the Bible. We don't want to just read about you. We want to experience you, God. Are you excited about that possibility? So the scriptures tells us that, and, and Romans 12 says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, I plead with you, I beg with you, come and present yourself. Now, uh, the interesting thing about the present I brought this earlier that the person bringing the present to God in the tabernacle and even with this gift, the gift itself isn't the actual offering. The gift is the individual because the present represents the offerer. So whatever I'm bringing is me. So the gift is me. So Paul to the Romans says, present yourselves. You are the offerer and the offering. As you present something to God, he receives not just the present of your praise, but he receives you. You become the offerer and the offering at the same time. So he says to us in Romans, I beg you, I plead with you, present yourselves, your bodies, which is typ typifies the whole being, all that you are, everything that makes you you, present it to God. Present your good side and your bad side. Present your weaknesses and your strength. Present your personalities. Everything that makes you you, God says, I want you to present yourselves to me. Not the bits that you like about you. And the bits that you don't like, you don't give him. He says, give me everything. So some of us may be, for example, extroverts. And we are expressive in our personalities. And some of us are introverts and we're very quiet and passive. But God says, I want you to give everything to me. Present yourselves to me for transformation. Are you with me? It's, it's, it, it, there, when we come to him uh, individually, we come to him so that he can transform our lives. Oh, I'm excited about this passage today. But why is praise, why is praise, uh, praising God a sacrifice? We are commanded to praise God it's in the scriptures. Sing unto the Lord, it says, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth, Isaiah 12. It also says um, in Psalms 9:11, sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion. Declare that among the people his doings. And in Psalms 98 verse 4, it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. So there's a command in scriptures for us to bring something of praise to God. However, there are times when life is difficult and the last thing you want to do is speak or sing praises to God. Perhaps you've lost your job or your spouse has asked for you for a divorce or perhaps your children are experiencing difficulties at school or you're struggling to conceive or the doctor's report comes back confirming your worst nightmare. 
in all of those instances, we don't feel like bringing the praise to God. We don't even feel like talking to anyone. I've been through some of those situations that I've just quoted myself. And the last thing I wanted to do was praise. But David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in. Uh, so David recognized that it's praise is not about how I feel. It's about a decision that I'm making. I've decided that I will praise him. Why? Because God is good all the time. And all the time, it doesn't mean I feel good all the time, but I know God is good all the time. And so I'm praising God because I'm interested in making God bigger than my situation. When I, David says this, uh, same Psalm 34, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Did you see that? David is saying, make God bigger than your situation. Whatever you're facing, you may be facing financial difficulties. You may be facing marital problems. You may be facing trouble at work. But he says, don't look at that and make that big. Make God big. Because you, if you put a magnifying glass to God and make God bigger, you realize that your situation is small in comparison to God. God is great and greatly to be praised. Is there any praises at the house today? <laughs> we have to be, make, in the West Indies, we have to big him up. That's a Jamaican saying. You have to big, you have to big him up. You have to make him big. Magnify him. Let it let exalt his name together. Don't make your problems big. Don't make them bigger than God. Your God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask, think, or imagine. There's nothing impossible for your God. He is able. Is there anybody that knows God is able in the house today? Has he delivered you from anything today? Okay, I need about two or three people who God has done something for to stand to your feet and give him some kind of praise today. If he's been any kind of good to you, if he's, if he's done anything for you, if he's, if he's delivered you from anything, if he has been good in your life, if he has rescued you or saved you or provided for you or healed you. Some kind of praise. Some kind of praise. Some kind of praise. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. God is good. This is, this is, my, this is the church that I'm used to here at CLM. I'm not used to the stillness. And I believe, this is my thing, this is what I've come after today in my message. I believe that the two years of COVID has, and, the, and restrictions that have been placed upon us and, 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 the, and, and we've been masked up and, and we weren't allowed to sing. We weren't allowed to bring anything of worth to God. And if we did that, we have to do it in the privacy of our home. But, but today, today we can be unmasked 
and we can bring a praise of worth to God. So for me, we've got two years to make up. Uh, you've been silent for so long that you've forgotten what it is to give God praise. So I want two years worth of praise now in one minute. Get up and give God two. Come on. For the two years, the enemy has stolen from you. For the two years that you've been silent, make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise unto God. Make a joyful noise. Come on. Come on. He's been too good. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. What you say matters. What you say matters. The scripture says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And, and it goes on to say these words. Interesting. It says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Whatever you, what you say, be it positive or negative, you will ultimately consume. So if you, the, the, and Jesus says this, in, in that you will know them by their fruit. The trees are known by its fruit. That's what the scripture tells us. What kind of tree are you? Because I will know what kind of tree are you based upon the fruit you're producing. And I want you to know today who you are, in case you've forgotten. You are praise people. You're people of his presence. And you have a praise in your mouth that will deliver you from every situation that you're facing. The enemy has tried to lie to us and steal from us, but God has given us victory in our praise. And I want you to know today that if you will dare to open up your mouth and give God some kind of praise this morning and into this evening, I believe breakthrough is on the other side of our praise today. Oh my goodness. Breakthrough is waiting for us on the other side of a praise. It is not time to be silent. The enemy has tried to steal from us because he knows the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And one of the greatest, most powerful weapons that God has given the church is the weapon of praise. What? And, uh, I say, we, don't, we don't need someone to direct us to praise God. I'm not, a, I'm not a director. I'm not a composer here with my baton trying to get you to do something. Praise is, is praise. The, seed, the fruit of praise comes from the seed of praise. The, the, the fruit of praise comes from the seed of praise. Uh, whatever you put in, is what you come, will come out. If you are a praising person on the inside, praise will come on the outside. If you're not a thankful person on the inside, you can't be a thankful person on the outside. Praise begets praise. Now let me tell you one truth about why it's important for us to praise. And I'm glad that you're still standing because we don't have time to sit down. We're going to give God some kind, of, some kind of supernatural in this time that we've got together. Let me just tell you something real quick. In Acts 16, and I'm going off, sorry about this, Bertha, I'm going off 
impeached a little bit with my message. But in Acts 16, Paul and Silas have been um, afflicted and been beaten because they were testifying of the goodness of God, bringing the message. And then because they confronted a spirit in the marketplace, they were arrested and flogged and beaten and put in prison. And they were in stocks in a deep Roman jail between soldiers. And they were, can you imagine what that would feel like? Uh, and, and the natural response of the human response is to whinge about how terrible their situation was. Because, I mean, they've been beaten. They've got scars on their backs. They've got welts. They've got blood pouring from them. They're, they're, they're in a cold dungeon with chains around them. Why? For doing nothing but by telling somebody about the goodness of Jesus. And here they are in prison stocks. But the response of these two believers, Paul and Silas, was that they began to sing praises in the prison. But not quietly to themselves. Loud enough for the other prisoners to hear them. And the word of God says in Acts 16 that the presence of God, the power of God came into that prison and an earthquake shook it and all who were in chains, their chains fell off. What? Um, that means my praise has the power not just to set me free, but to set someone else free too. That's the reason why the enemy wants you to keep your praise to yourself and you think I've got a praise in my mind. No, the praises that you have to bring is the fruit of your lips because someone else in the room needs a breakthrough, not just you. And when you praise God with your mouth, with a loud enough praise, chains will fall off. Chains will fall off. Chains of addiction will fall off. Chains of fear will fall off. Chains of sickness will fall off. Chains of poverty will fall off. So I can't be selfish. I can't keep praise to myself. I have to give him praise. Because someone might need freedom. Not just me. So I wonder if we could just, for the next band, I'm going to ask the band to come up. I wonder if, in this next song, we could use this opportunity to bring some kind of praise, not just for ourselves this morning, but for everyone in this room or watching from home who may be bound by situations of circumstances and need to be set free, but they, they don't know how to do it. But we are the people of the presence of God, and we know how to bring God a praise. We know how to bring God a praise. Now, one more testimony, and then we're going to go into this song. I'm so excited about what's going to happen. All right, watch. Um, I shared this testimony before. I'm going to share it again. Um, when I first was married, I, my, uh, my wife then became pregnant. And we were excited about the possibility of starting a family. And the church was excited. The church that was a, a part of the time. We were all excited about what God was doing. And we, this is time of celebration, you can imagine. But um, about five and a half months into that process, my wife miscarried, unfortunately. And I know that I'm not the only one that has gone through that. And I'm sure there's people in this space that have gone through that. People are watching that as well. 
So I want to share with you that I know I understand the pain of that moment. And that happened to me. And that happened to us. And it was a painful time. But I was a man of strong faith. And I believed God would do something. And that God would bless us and we'd get a breakthrough. Um, so a few months later, my wife conceived again. And we were just rejoicing. And we were grateful that, okay, we get another shot at family. Five and a half months later, my wife miscarried again. And so now two, twice in a row, same point in his time, I'm going through this moment and I'm now a bit obviously challenged by this situation that's going on, but I'm still, I still have a faith and I'm still trying to encourage myself and my wife at the time that, look, it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. God is good and he's good all the time. It's going to be great. And so uh, we became again pregnant for a third time and we were just, oh, the Lord is, is faithful. Five and a half months later, miscarriage number three okay so so now just like it just like your reaction I didn't know what was going on at this point I felt maybe God was unhappy with me maybe God was trying to kill me for something that I had done because I genuinely couldn't understand why this was happening to me why this was happening to us and so the struggle of that moment I, rem I don't remember how I got to church but I remember getting to church that Sunday. This happened on a Friday. On a, by the Sunday, I was physically in church. I don't remember driving to church. I don't remember if I walked to church. I remember I was in church. And I was sitting down in the midst of the congregation, just like you all, uh, some of you here. And I was sitting somewhere in, in the middle of the congregation. And I was just sitting there. And I couldn't tell you what was going on around me. But all I know is that suddenly I heard something. And I heard a song. And the song said... I will praise the Lord Jesus always for his goodness and his mercies every day. I will praise the Lord Jesus. Come now, Jesus, and inhabit my praise. And the song began to become louder and louder in the space. And I was wondering, not, I've not heard this song before, but it was, an, it, was, it was a song that was coming and become louder in my ears. And then I realized suddenly that the song wasn't being played outside by the band. It was a song that was in my spirit. And it was coming from within me. And I began to sing the song that I heard in my spirit. I will praise the Lord Jesus always for his goodness and his mercies every day. And as I began to sing this song out, the, the whole service stopped around me. And people began to weep and cry with me as I sang the song of tears. I will praise the Lord Jesus always for his goodness and his mercies despite what I was going through. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will sing his praises. I will testify of his goodness. And I sang and I sang and I sang the praises of God in the atmosphere, in a season and in a time when it was unconventional and it is irrational that I'd be singing praises to God because of the pain that I was facing. But today I have two children. Two children grown beautiful because God is good all the time and my situation wasn't good but I understood something about the power of praise and about praising God in all situations so I don't know what you are facing today I don't know what you're going through but it doesn't really matter what you're going through because your God is bigger your God is better your God is greater. So whether you're in the room today, 
or whether you're at home, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if you're able. We're going to sing this song and we're going to bring a praise that's loud enough for our situations to hear, but loud enough for the people around us and the people at our home who need a breakthrough to get their breakthrough. So CLM, I'm relying on you this morning. Don't be shy. Begin to lift your voice. Begin to lift your praise. Let's make a joyful noise unto him. Are you ready? Are you ready to bring something? Come on, let's lift our hands and our voices.